Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I have something to talk about that has been rolling around in me since April. And it was funny because little glimpses of it have keep popping up when somebody ministers or somebody gives a testimony. Um, Caitlin Tapia stood up here and she talked about something that God had given her not too long ago. And um, I I can't remember exactly how she said it, but she, she said in essence, um, God told her to be faithful with what she had and, and it, and it would grow and sometimes I, I get something out of something, and then I remember what I got out of it, not what the person said. So <laughs> forgive me if I'm wrong, if you remember it, <laughs> Julie. But anyway, it really blessed me, and I was like, yes, that's what I've been meditating on for the past few months and thinking about. And then Steve said something about it the other night when he ministered, and then Lizzie ministered, did an awesome job uh, last week next door and said something about it. And I'm like, yes. I'm like, Lord, you're just setting me up. You're setting me up for tonight, and I love it, and I'm so excited. You know. All right, so turn to Matthew 25, 14. So I'm going to talk about being faithful with what you have. And it may not sound super exciting, but I believe as we get into it that it, it will be. The more revelation you get and the more you know about God, the more excited you get about serving him and being with him and sharing him and all the above. So I have several scriptures I'm going to read to you before I actually, and then I'll probably refer back to them before we get started. So the first one's the longest one, and it's called the parable of the talents. I think everybody's there. All right. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each, to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. You could say talents. um, One translation says investments. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you gave me five talents, and look, I have got five more besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you gave me two, and I gained two more. And here they are. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. He said the same exact thing. You have been faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Now that's not saying the Lord, he, it's not saying that this particular boss was a hard man. This guy is saying that this is what he believed about his boss. Doesn't mean it's true. I, believe, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. The Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown. Basically, you thought that I would reap where I hadn't sown. And you think that I gather where I have not scattered seed. 
So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. He said, at least you could have done that. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. But from him who does not, even what he has will be taken away. So the first guy... This could be looked at as not, not, not just a story about money or investments, but it can be looked at as what God gave these people. And it was meant to be looked at that way. Now, you might think, well, why did the one guy get five and the one guy got two? You know, God's fair. He knew that the five-talent guy was a five-talent guy. He knew he had abilities well within his means to do the right thing with that amount. He knew. He knew what was in that guy. And so he gave that guy that amount, and he, he doubled it, and he brought it back. Well, the two-talent guy, God knew he was a two-talent guy. He knew what this guy could handle, and he blessed him. And I say talent could be ability, you know, think of it that way, gifts. It's, he gave him something, a certain amount. You know, like, you could be thinking, well, that's not fair, you know, especially if these two guys are looking at each other. But it, I don't think that they did. I don't think the two-talent guy was looking at the five-talent guy because he probably wouldn't have done his job and said, well, that's not fair. Why is he given all this to be able to do? Well, God knew. God knew what he put in, the two-talent guy. And so he gave him what was within his ability to handle, and he did handle it well. The one-talent guy was given the least, and I believe it's fair. God, God, God gave him something. He gave him the smallest amount, but he gave him something that I believe he could have handled. And it was, it's, it's a lot easier to just be like, oh, you know, this is unfair. Maybe he was looking at the other guys. Um, why did they get all that? And this is all I've got. You know, it's, and actually he got into fear because it says, let me find it, I, 25, and I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. So he was afraid. And he ended up getting into fear and not doing anything with it. And he did not get to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. The other two did, even though they had two very different amounts in what they were given. Turn to Ephesians 4.7. Now tonight, what I want to focus on, the first thing is, God has given us all gifts and talents. I don't care how young you are, I don't care how old you are. It's there. God's given us something. And he knows what he's doing. Amen? So Ephesians 4, 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So you can tell by that that it's going to be different for everybody. The measure of Christ's gift. gift. What one guy has, the other may not. Everyone's talents, abilities are going to be different. And God knows what he's doing. He's planned it that way. We wouldn't all, you know, if we were all the same, it's like a puzzle piece. If all the pieces were the same, you're not going to be able to put that puzzle together. All right, Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I think there's more to that one, actually. That's okay. Just getting used to a new laptop, so I can't find stuff really quick. But, you know, God had a plan for you before you were even born. He's like, I'm going to put this one here in this household, and I've got this gift and this talent, and, you know, he knows what he's doing. Ephesians 4.1. 
I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Now, the message version of this is really good. In light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. Turn to Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 4.1, at the very end of that message, it's a message version. It says, I don't want anyone strolling off and down some path that goes nowhere. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on a path that's leading to nowhere. I want to be on the path where Jesus comes back or I'm in heaven tomorrow. I want him to look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servants. Not just, well, you're done. Hello, welcome. (laughs) I want more than that. You know, I want to be, I want to be faithful with what he gave me. And sometimes we can get in fear of doing what he's asked and thinking that he's asking too much or our pastors are asking too much. And remember, God's put things in you and you can do them. Amen. So first, recognize that he's given you talents, abilities, and gifts. Just establish that right off the bat. There's nobody in here that can say, I don't have anything. I don't have anything to offer. And I was just left out because I know people feel that way. Everybody feels that way at some point in their lives. And it's, it is a lie from the devil. God has given all of us something. I don't care how different you think you are. I don't care if you, even if you are weird, God's given you something amazing. (laughs) Hey, I would even classify myself as one of those people. No, God's given us good, good stuff. I've had so many um, youth tell me over the years, you know, I, I, you know, why they don't come to youth or why they don't come to church and, and they're like, well, I'm different. And I just, then none of them can relate to me. And I'm like, yeah, but we need your different God. You know, we need what you have. You know, I, you may come in here and be really different than everyone else, but it's because you have something different to impart. And I, you know, I don't mean people trying to be something that they're not because we have a whole lot of that going on right now, (laughs) especially in America. I mean, people who are being what God's put in them, who they really and truly are. You know, we need everybody, even if you feel like, if you feel like you don't fit, well, you may have something really unique that only you can do. And a lot of times I think the devil just hammers those people the most with, you know, nobody else is like you, you know, you don't have anything and people begin to believe it. And I don't want anyone to do that. Amen. God's good and he's faithful and he puts things in us and he's not going to ask more of us than we're capable of doing. And he's not going to ask more than we can handle and to think any other thought is not God. Just cast those thoughts down. You know, God has stuff that I can handle. Amen? You know, the dude, the, the guy that hid his talent, he's basically saying, God, you're not faithful, you're not fair, and you've asked way too much. And he just gave in completely to the devil. Gave in completely to every lie. Um, a few weeks ago, pastor was ministering and um, 
and pull up that scripture. He was ministering and talking about revival, and he just really had it on his heart um, to kind of stop talking about finances and, and come back to talking about revival. He talked about John the Baptist, and I couldn't get away from it for weeks. Um, turn to Luke one seventeen, and I couldn't. I was just kind of, I've never really read that much about John the Baptist. Honestly, not thought that much about him. But I couldn't get away from it. I couldn't get away from thinking about him. Luke one seventeen. He will go, he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Elijah was a prophet, to turn, as well, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And I, I couldn't get away from, I was thinking about him, and I was thinking about how, you know, John the Baptist, everybody thought, I mean, he sounded weird. They, I mean, the, the Bible made it really evident. He was not like everyone else during that time. They said he dressed weird, he ate weird stuff, he lived out in the woods, you know. And he sounded kind of nuts, you know, honestly. But I thought about it, and I thought, okay, he he wasn't somebody just trying to be nuts, you know. Uh, Pastor explained, you know, kind of why he was that way. I mean, he didn't really care about what was going on in the world. He was focused on his mission, and I believe, and he had... Um, his father was a priest. I mean, he was raised in a godly environment. He was raised from day one. He was spirit-filled before he even was birthed. I mean, he was very special. And the thing about it, the more I thought about, because I, I kept asking the Lord, what is it? What is it? So anytime you get something and you can't get away from it, I don't care if you're looking at something in your house and you can't get away from it. Ask the Lord what it is. What is it about that thing? And he'll reveal it to you. You might not get it in the first 30 seconds you ask, but he will. Don't give up on it. So I kept asking him, was like, you know, just, well, I didn't keep asking. I asked him, and then I just kept thinking about him and thinking about what it was like, you know, meditating on who he was and the time that he was here. And I realized that he, he served his generation. You know, every single one of us is here to serve our generation. You know, the Bible says something about David. David served his generation and then he died. King David. We're, don't ever think you're here by accident or, man, I wish I was alive during the Civil War days or, you know, you wouldn't have fit. You know, God puts you here now. You have something now. You have people now that you're going to come across and you have something in you, and they may not be pulling it out of you, especially ungodly people. Sometimes you've got to pull it out of you and give it to them. Amen? John the Baptist was here. The thing that overwhelmed me the most was how God, Jesus needed him. And I realized he needs us. If he needed John the Baptist to go before Jesus... And prepare, it says, make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I mean, he could have just, he's, he prophesied about Jesus coming for so long. It could have just been like, okay, it's time. You know, here, Mary, here's, here's your baby. Here's Jesus. Here he is. Here he is on the scene. But God, his grace and his mercy towards the people, he was like, I need somebody to prepare them. I don't want them to miss out on what he has, because, you know, there were people that missed out during Jesus' time. They stood in the same room where he ministered, and, I mean, Jesus, how sad. But the thing that overwhelmed me and excited me was that God was like, I need somebody to prepare these people. I I need people to do things. And he sent John the Baptist to prepare people. And it just is the connection for me I was pretty excited about. But it just, it it excites me, but it's also kind of a heavy thing. Like, wow, you know, I really want to get with it. I really need to be 
doing everything that God's put in me. And we need to make sure that we're like, okay, you know, what can I do? What can I do for the Lord? No matter how small. I mean, I don't care how small. It could be God, you know, and I hate to even use the word small, but there there are differences in things that people have. But the reward's going to be the same. Maybe God's called you to just put your arm around somebody new who comes in church and be like, hey, you know, someone that reaches out to someone, someone that that ministers to someone when they're here. Maybe God's put that in your heart to do. And maybe that's all God's asked you to do. And if you, and, 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 and how do you know what it is that God's wanting you to do? I'm getting way ahead of myself. You know, you know, you can start by doing something. You can start by volunteering. Start somewhere and you'll know, you'll begin to find out, okay, I'm not so gifted in this. <laughs> you know, there's grace and God will bless you. There's areas you may step out. And I don't mean in some wild, crazy way, just, you know, you may start to do something, volunteer in an area and you're like, oh, I hate dealing with money. So this is just not my thing. Or maybe it is. And you're like, I'm good at this. And I can be a real blessing in this area. Your reward's going to be the same. Your reward's going to be, he, you walk into heaven and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Just like he's going to say to someone who may be pastored a church of, you know, a couple hundred people. He's going to say it to the guy who pastored 200 and to the guy who pastored 20,000 if they did what they were asked to do. You know, God is fair. He's fair. He's faithful. And he's expecting us to be faithful with what he's given us. Um, did, I, did we read Luke? Yeah, we read. Okay. Turn to Luke 12.42. I'm getting nowhere with this. I'm going to end up having probably to come back and finish it. We'll see. So I have like six points. One of them's super short. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm I'm only Anderson by name. It's, I'm not going to go over. I promise. <laughs> all right. So we're required. First of all, just establish. God's given me something. He's given me some kind of a talent, and a gift. And don't ever listen to lies that you don't have it. Okay. Number one. Number two. We are required to be faithful with it. God is big on stewardship. And stewardship is just simply taking care of something. Luke 12, 42. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. And actually, let me read the message version of that. Does anybody have that quicker than I do? Can you read it? You want to? Here, come up here. <laughs> I know you love to come up here. Yeah, I really like the message version. The master said, let me ask you, who is the dependable manager, full of common sense, that the master puts in charge of his staff to feed them well and on time. He is a blessed man if when the master shows up, he's doing his job. But if he says to himself, the master is certainly taking his time, begins maltreating the servants and maids, throws parties for his friends, and gets drunk, the master will walk in when he least expects it, give him his thrashing of his life, and put him back in the kitchen peeling potatoes. <laughs> I love the, the message version. It just makes it super plain, super relatable. Um, so God is, he's expecting us to be a good steward with what we have. He's expecting us to take care of it, expecting us to do something with it. And, you know, um, he's watching to see what we do with what we have. And the good news is, not only does he give us something, 
He gives us something that can grow. And he's watching to see, are we going to take care of what that is when it's small? You know, David, King David, when he was a boy, he was in charge of sheep before he was in charge of a whole bunch of people. And he was faithful. He was a good steward. I mean, he was fighting off lions and tigers and bears. And he, you know, he was doing his thing. <laughs> I don't know what kind of animals they have. Anyway, nor do I have time to turn to it. But uh, he, was, he was taking care of the sheep. He was, and, and that probably didn't seem very exciting to him, but he was being a good steward with what he had, and, and God wasn't going to leave him there. God had some, some bigger things for him. Amen? Um, God expects a return on what he's put in us, and that's a big deal. I think a lot of people don't realize that. You can't just sit on what he's given you. You can't just glide and slide and get by. He is expecting a return. And we, every day, have no problem with this in the workplace. You know, when someone hires you, they're expecting a return from you. And some, some bosses are just super demanding and not even very nice about it. They're expecting a return, and we, you know, yes, yes, sir, you know, put up with so much every day, and we, in no way, shape, or form, do we think that that's unacceptable, but then sometimes we come into the church, and we're expected, something's expected from us, and we're just like, hey, come on, you know, you need to be aware of all my feelings and all of what I'm going through, and and, and I don't mean like sometimes. I mean like there's always an excuse why you can't do what God's put in you. And that's not good. You know, God knows. He knows what he's put in there. He knows. We can't hide it. We can't. And part of what I love so much about the local church is, you know, you can't be, we have, a, we have generation I feel like we have a whole generation of, and I'm not down in Facebook because you can share things with your friends and family and get all kinds of information, but we have like a whole generation of Facebook Christians, people that do not enter a church ever, and they're missing so much, so much. Me and Leslie were just talking today about how you're just chatting with one of your, your, your family from church, and that thing that you needed problem you had, they just tell you something and you're like, bing, oh, you know, that's exactly what I needed. I was just talking to Lizzie the other day and she said something. And I'm like, yes, that's totally something I was concerned about. And that was just, you know, an answer for me. And people are missing out on so much. We're supposed to draw out of each other our gifts and talents. And that's how you, it's one of the ways. One of the ways is by volunteering. Yes. Get involved somewhere. Find out what you're good at, what you're not good at. But also being in church and being together, you, you know, you get a chance, number one, to walk in love with each other, which is huge. You, and yeah, maybe people have that opportunity on Facebook because I see a lot of fighting on Facebook too. <laughs> Yes, there is, there is a little bit of opportunity there, but not like when you're working side by side with someone. You know how it is. It's easy to be nice to someone that you see occasionally at the grocery store, <laughs> Joey. <laughs> but when you're working with someone like this all day, you're going to have things. You're going to, you know, you're going to clash and it's going to give you opportunity to walk in love. And that's so important. But it's, it's so important that we, hey, you're really good at such and such. Why don't you do this? Or, hey, I, know, I think they're needing somebody over here. That's something that you could do. And the more you're faithful and walking out what God has given you, start somewhere. The more you're faithful with that, the more it'll grow. The more anointing will grow on it the more you'll grow. Amen? So God's expecting a return. That's not something that I'm just let, making it plain so you can't get up there and say, I didn't know. <laughs> when God says, what did you do with what I gave you? You know. 
It wouldn't be, you know, there's a lot of churches out there right now that aren't telling anybody any of this stuff because they're too afraid to offend people. They're too afraid people are like, I don't want to hear this because I'm fine and I don't want to do anything. Well, those people will not hear, well done, good and faithful servant. They're just not. And I, I want us all to be up there together so joyful and so proud not, you know, we're going to be joyful and happy, but I don't want the element of regret for eternity. Amen. I don't want anybody else having that. I do not want that on my plate. So first agree with yourself. He's given you something. He's blessed you with a talent and remember that you are required to be faithful with it. Now, are we supposed to use our talents and gifts on ourselves or our family? You know, there's people in the world that do that every day. And they think it's just natural talent. And it's not. We need to honor God and recognize and thank him. I mean, like daily. Like, thank you, Lord. You have blessed me and graced me to be able to do so many different things. And I mean, it could be motherhood. It could be being a friend to a friend. It could be anything like that. Just recognize, you know, that goodness, God's put it in you. And we have to, you know, God didn't intend for us to just use our gifts on ourselves and in, in, in our families. He didn't. You know, what if Moses decided, you know, that he was going to go back and just use his abilities and his, his smooth talking, which he didn't think he was capable of, to rescue his family only from Egypt? Things would have been very different. I mean, he could have been like, I've got family back there. I need to get them out. And I'm, I'm going to do this first, God. You know, he, he, he could have been like that, but he didn't. If everything is about your family 24-7, then you need to let go of some things. And that may sound really harsh, but your gifts are not just for yourself. They're not just for your family. They're for more. They're for so much more. So, so, so much more. And... You may need to let some things go. And honestly, your kids are not going to suffer. They're actually going to come out ahead because they're seeing you put God first in everything. You know, God's faithful. When you're faithful with what you have now, you know, I said this before, it's going to grow and the anointing is going to grow. And when you receive power, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you receive an anointing. And... If you want more, you can't just come up here and say, lay hands on me for more power. You know, it's good. Get hands laid on you. Get yourself stirred up. But God's not going to just bowl you over with anointing and power when you're not doing anything with what he's given you already. It's a simple principle, but I think it's something that sometimes we forget and just go back to basics and say, you know what, I'm going to step out and I'm going to do what he's asking me to do right now, where I'm at right now. Because, you know, everybody's in a different season of life. And, you know, I remember being in that season where I had things on my heart I wanted to do, but I couldn't do them. My kids were very little or they were babies. And I remember being frustrated. And now I look back and I'm like, you know, God was not pulling on me to do all these things. I was in a certain season of life and there's ways for me to be a blessing during that season. You know, a lot of, I've probably seen a thousand blogs about being super mom and you got to balance it all. Balance is the key. No, it's not. It, you know, it may be in one sense, but if you're in a certain season, there's seasons of life where you have to take care of your babies more 
Those are the, there's certain seasons. And there's things, God knows, there's things you'll be able to be a blessing at during that time. It's going to fit. It's going to fit you. He knew you were going to have your kids. You may be in a season of, my parent is sick and I've got to take care of them. He knows. And you may be spending 24-7 with that parent. He knows. It's a season of your life where you may be having to do something like that. You know, focus focus on God and, and whatever during whatever season you're in. Don't try to be, don't try to be like this super person that's balancing every little thing and then you end up not really quite accomplishing anything. You don't want that to happen. So be faithful with what you have and it'll grow and the anointing will grow. And, you know, the Lord showed me this. I was laying in bed one night thinking about this and he showed me, he said the, the thing that he's given each of us, it's as precious as a little baby. And treat it like one. Imagine if you're falling, if you're stumbling and you're holding your baby. I mean, you're going to stumble. You're going to stumble through this life. You hold it. I mean, you do everything you can to hold that baby, even if it means falling on your face. You're, you're not going to just be like... Oh, well, and then there goes the baby. And, you know, you don't, nobody would act like that who's in their right mind. You're going to be so careful. Esteem it. Think of it like that. Think of it as precious. Don't ever think of it as not that important. It's small. And don't ever compare yourself to someone else. Amen? Turn to Luke 16.10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? So remember, God is big on stewardship. He wants to see what what we're going to do. And how we're going to take care of what he's given us. And what we do with what he gave us absolutely matters. It's precious. Turn to Proverbs eleven thirteen. This particular scripture in Luke 16 was talking about money. And that's, that's something we have to be faithful with too. Be faithful when you have $10.00. And God will bless you with more. There's no point if you can't be faithful with $10 and begging God for $10 million and you're not faithful with it. You're just going to be, he's not going to bless you with that. You're just going to be in an even greater disobedience than you were with the $10. You can't, you can't put your faith out for that. Be faithful. You have an opportunity, no matter where you're at or where you're starting, to be faithful. Be faithful with what you know, what you have, your opportunities. Sometimes um, you have influence opportunities that you're not taking. And I think Pastor Greg even said that um, a few weeks ago. You have opportunity where you know someone's really open to you or someone's open to you at work and you have an opportunity and maybe you're like, I've had that opportunity at the school. And when I first started working there, the overriding question for me was, can I, I, I know I can minister to someone at this moment or this, or a kid at the school and the thoughts that bombarded me at first was, you're going to get fired if you do that. And it's not happened yet. And I've been able to get quite a few kids saved and bringing quite a few kids to church on a regular basis. And it's been a huge blessing. And it's been fun to get to know, you know, because I've had failures, absolutely. I probably mentioned this before, too. You, you get to know, the more you, you feel like you need to minister to somebody and you do it, you get more attuned to that. And when it's appropriate and when it's not, 
you know, when it really is the Lord, it's not just you, you know, maybe having a heart for somebody. And a lot of times it is, it's just you having a heart for somebody, but I've had failures too. I prayed for a kid on the sidewalk and he threw up and went home (laughs) for the rest of the day. (laughs) He wasn't even throwing up when I prayed for him. And again, I'm like, you know, complete opposite of what, because I'm like, I'm going to pray for this kid. And he's not saved, and God's going to really get his attention, and it's going to be epic, and he's going to come talk to me about it tomorrow. Didn't go like that at all. (laughs) He appreciated that I prayed for him, but he got even sicker. (laughs) But I'll talk to God about that later. But I've had opportunities where I have prayed for kids, and God healed them, and they were like, whoa, like... They were shocked. They'd never even heard that God would heal. And so, you know, I, had, I pushed past that, that work situation where, well, if I'm talking about Jesus at work, I'm going to get fired. People talk about all kinds of things at work that they're not supposed to be. <laughs> Remember that. It's okay. <laughs> you hear it? You hear people cussing at work like fools, and they're not getting fired. You can talk about Jesus. Push it if you have to. You can. (laughs) Trust me. And I'm not saying minister the gospel to the point that you're not doing your job. You know what I'm saying. You can do your job. You know when you have those opportunities and you have, you know, around the water cooler, you have time to talk to people. You know what I'm talking about. So you guys are in Proverbs eleven thirteen. So how do you know if you're being faithful? Well, first check up on yourself and say, am I a faithful person? Just in general, am I faithful to my job? Am I faithful to show up on time? Am I faithful to take things that are asked of me seriously when nobody sees me? Am I, or am I the person that sits on my butt and when the boss comes around, hey, real busy, you know, and you don't want to be that person. God still sees you. So check up on yourself and say, am, am, those are all areas that it will show. If you're, if you're like that, you're probably not being faithful with what God's given you. There's areas that we can tweak, all, you know, all of us. So check up on yourself. Um, a faithful person is identifiable, and it does show. Proverbs eleven thirteen. There's actually a whole bunch of scriptures, and I just pulled one out. A talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. That's just one. That's being a faithful friend. Um, are we being faithful to each other? No matter what the other person does, are we still good to them? That's being faithful to someone and being, you know, being a good steward of what God's put in you. Um, so how do I start? Where do you start with being faithful? Start with what you know that you can absolutely do immediately. And don't worry about things stepping out on some kind of a ledge where only God's going to be able to bail you out. And that, that is not what I'm talking about at all. Start, everybody knows, hey, I can do that. You know, I can sew. I can talk to people, or I'm not real good at talking to people, but I'm good at saying hi. You know, you can start somewhere, or I'm good at whatever it is. Start somewhere. Find out what you're good at. And one of the things I said earlier is volunteer. It's a great way to find out what God has put in you. Um Everybody has something in them from engineers to artists to musicians to, you know, whatever part of his plan is in this time, God has put something in each of us. I, Greg and I talk about this all the time whenever we see something about Michael Jackson on TV. Whether you like him or not, doesn't really matter. He was very uh, famous and very influential um, celebrity, singer, I guess you could say, singer. 
And I, 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 we were talking about him one night, and I was like, I'm, you know, I don't know, but I'm pretty convinced that, you know, God had some really big things for him. And he, he took the abilities God put in him and went down the other path and used it for himself, used it for his own fame. Just seeing the gifts that he had, the talent that he had in him, it wouldn't surprise me if he was someone, you know, that, that God was wanting to use for his glory and to influence in some amazing ways. You know, and there's so many other people like that. Isn't it sickening? I mean, you see somebody and you're like, they're so talented. It's just, and you know that they're not using their talents for God. It's sad because you see the path they go down when they don't. It's never good. It's never a good ending. Never, never, never a good ending. When you use your talents for God, you're going to have a good ending. You're going to hear good well done, good and faithful servant. And you're going to have a lot of people in heaven come up to you and say, thank you. You influenced them somehow. Turn to Hebrews 4.13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So we are going to give an account one day, one day we're going to stand at the judgment seat and we're going to, he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? And the judgment seat is not, okay, you screwed up and you got into sin and the judgment seat of God has nothing to do with that. When he sees us up there, he's going to see the blood of Jesus. We've been forgiven and the judgment seat is reward time. What did you do with what I gave you? And you're going to have to answer. And you're not going to have your spouse with you. You're not going to have your kids with you. You're not going to have your best friends with you. There's not going to be any excuses. And you know he knows because he knows what he put in you. He knows what he gave you to be able to, to do with what he gave you. He, he knows what you did with it. He's going to ask him. We're going to have to give an account. We have to answer, but the good news is he, he's not given us more than we can handle, and he has amazing reward for us, amen? So look forward to your eternal reward. Look forward to what he's going to have for you and hearing well done, good and faithful servant, and be eternity-minded and live eternity-minded, and you'll stay on track when you, when you think that way, turn to 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must, um, for time's sake, I'm going to read it anyway before you get there. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. That's not talking about sin. Turn to Corinthians 15.58. So there's much grace on you to do whatever it is he's put in you and whatever he's called. There's much grace. Remember that. In Hebrews 12, 15, it's important, though, that you're careful because you can forfeit your grace. And this could be a whole other topic for a whole other night, but I'm, I'm going to bring it up because I do believe it's important. Hebrews 12, 15, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Defiled is just tarnished, impaired, degraded, ruined. It says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. So you can forfeit that grace that's on you to do your job. You absolutely can. And you do it by a root of bitterness that can spring up. So it's so important that we walk in love with each other and we never compare what God's called us to do with what someone else is doing. That bitterness can, 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 it can spring up and cause you 
to become unusable because that's all you're thinking about and that can grow. It can grow into being angry, not walking in love with anybody, not wanting to do anything, not wanting to serve, thinking everybody's unfair. It can grow into something that causes you to be unusable and ineffective. And God doesn't want that. We don't want that. We need what you have. So don't forfeit the grace that you have. Walk in love and never compare your gift and your talent, whether you're the five-talent guy or the one-talent guy. It doesn't matter. Just be faithful with the talent he's given you. So you turn back to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. This is the last scripture. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. One of the ways you can be steadfast and immovable is not getting, letting yourself get offended. Not, and I am preaching to myself <laughs> just as much <laughs> as I am share, I, I'm not even preaching this to you. I'm just sharing it with you because we've all been there. I've been there. I know what this is like. You know, you, you get upset about something and you can't even focus, you know, be steadfast, be immovable. And I believe when, when God had this written down, it's because he knew, he knew the paths that we would want to go down and we need to not do that when it comes to not walking in love with each other or being jealous of what someone else has or what they're given. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And in Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You know, we shall reap. And you will reap. Yes, I'm talking about eternal reward and judgment, things like that, but you will reap while you're here. You will be a blessing to someone else and you will reap that blessing. God's good. He wants you to be happy while you're here. He's faithful. He's just. And let's all look forward to taking care of what is put in us so we can together watch those things grow in each of us. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.